Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura, a sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City. Starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado, and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits. I knew you would come. I knew you would listen. There is space yet in your mind. The future need not be consumed by the malignant designs that threaten to overtake us. Dust and XPRIZE bring you Terminal. Written by Kevin J. Anderson. Performed by Rosalind Ayres. At 4.58 a.m. on June 28, 2020, the passengers on board ANA Flight 008, en route from Tokyo to San Francisco, are cruising at an altitude of 37,000 feet, approximately 1,500 nautical miles off the west coast of the United States. A small bump, otherwise noted as a barely perceptible bout of turbulence, passes Flight 008 through a temporary wrinkle in the local region of space-time. What these passengers will soon find out as they descend into SFO is that the wrinkle has transported them 20 years into the future, and the year is now 2040. This is the story of the passenger in seat 35K, Turbulence didn't bother her. Magdalene Cross had enough going on in her mind. Her thoughts and memories, which had once been so organised, were now as scrambled as unpredictable air currents high over the Pacific. It was 4.30 in the morning, but on the long overseas flight from Tokyo to San Francisco, the string of time zones made the hour meaningless. Magdalene couldn't sleep and she couldn't concentrate. The anti-seizia meds always made her feel dopey, but not sleepy. The worst of both worlds. 
more drugs treated her dizziness and nausea, and several varieties of potent pain meds battled the mind-shattering headaches that would be her constant companion until the end. Magdalene would rather have been with her family in her last days, but feared she had waited too long for the flight home. Always cutting it close. Throughout her career, Magdalene had prided herself on her punctuality, meeting every deadline, arriving just in time so as to waste not a minute. 35 years as a corporate executive, managing projects, leading research teams, jockeying for government grants, overseeing university hospitals, receiving awards for her landmark work on breast cancer research. Everyone in the field knew she had helped shepherd tremendous progress towards a cure. That had been her passion. <laughs> the cruel irony. The Boeing 777 twitched and jumped. Magdalene blinked as she saw a strange, underlying ripple go through the air. But the distortion faded away. She often experienced vision problems, halos, ghost images. She found her purse in the little alcove near her window seat and removed her pill case. God, it was like a portable pharmacy. She took two Oxycontins and waited for them to work, knowing they would only make her feel more fuzzy and disconnected. But it was better than the pain. With all of her meetings and appearances throughout her career, Magdalene knew how to be comfortable aboard the flight. Her window seat was spacious enough, and the tray table gave her room to put together one of her jigsaw puzzles. A small one. Alas, small ones, ridiculously simple ones, were all she could do these days. It was embarrassing and sad. Magdalene felt the floating sensation of the opiates kicking in, and she made herself consider the puzzle like a large project she had once managed, step by step. During the months of treatment in Tokyo, she would spend hours at a table in her room working on jigsaw puzzles until they became too disheartening. The puzzles were meant to be a distraction from the rigors of chemotherapy supplemented with targeted radiation. It was a new experimental procedure available only in Japan, not authorized for use in the United States. Aggressive yet promising, the research papers had stated, offered to only a select few patients. But she was Magdalene Cross, and she had connections, many friends in the research field, and she had no other chance. She'd always known the treatment was a gamble, and it would take six months, perhaps the last six months of her life. She clung to hope, clung to her faith in science and medical research, knowing that these colleagues wouldn't let her down. And they hadn't let her down. The treatment hadn't let her down. Her body had. Her brain had. And now she was racing home. Yes, racing was the proper term, because the ticking countdown inside her body had nearly reached zero. She just wanted to see her daughter Candice and her five-year-old grandchild Aspen. A beautiful little girl. With a brief glimmer of clarity, or by coincidence, Magdalene found two pieces that aligned and interlocked, then a corner, and then another piece. She took advantage of her mental momentum and finally had the small puzzle framed, which gave her an absurd sense of triumph. Jigsaw puzzles had been her hobby, and she remembered putting together large ones, masterclass puzzles, 2,000 pieces, 5,000 pieces. 
Once she had even completed a maddening exercise of an entirely white puzzle. Now she looked down at the cute, happy rabbit and couldn't figure out where his ears went. It's that one, said the man in the seat next to her. He had been friendly, even though she clearly didn't want a conversation. This one right here. He picked up a piece and slipped it into place. The intrusion angered her, but she couldn't express herself. I... I'm fine. She picked up another piece and stared at it defensively, but it was just a gap in her hand. The too friendly man smiled and opened his mouth to say something, but his expression froze. Oh, I'm so sorry. I saw the meds and I didn't think. Is it Alzheimer's? He blushed as he realised he'd dug his hole even deeper. Never mind, it's none of my business. Previously, when she travelled in business class, people had clear boundaries of privacy, and in Japan she'd grown accustomed to a more reticent culture. But now she was flying home in coach, and this man was obviously a tourist. Well-meaning, but he didn't play by the same rules. Not Alzheimer's, you idiot, she wanted to say. But the words were as elusive as the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. Her thoughts had been shoved aside by the thing growing there. Glioma. Yes, that was the word. But she couldn't make it come out of her mouth. A particularly aggressive tumour growing inside her brain, stealing her thoughts, infesting her grey matter like an annoying pop song that you couldn't get out of your head. But this cancer song was deadly. The aggressive experimental Tokyo treatment hadn't helped hadn't prolonged her life. It had only taken six months away from her. Probably the last six months. She would have been better off staying home and giving little Aspen memories of her grandmother. Embarrassed by his faux pas, the man in the adjacent seat pulled a sleep mask over his eyes and snuggled down, withdrawing into a belated sense of privacy. With a sigh of relief, Magdalene turned back to her unfinished puzzle. The plane was dark, many of the passengers asleep. The seatbelt light went off, and the captain announced something over the garbled loudspeaker about being past the unexpected turbulence. But Magdalene was too focused on her challenge. The happy rabbit slowly took place one piece at a time, and within an hour she had managed to finish it. In the meantime, she had taken more anti-nausea drugs and one more pain pill. As they approached San Francisco, she was drifting and detached, but in a lost, seasick way, rather than pleasant euphoria. When the flight attendants came around and the cabin lights flickered back on, she declined breakfast, even coffee. Magdalene didn't think she could keep any food down. Sparkles of thoughts and pain jittered inside her mind as if the uninvited glioma was doing a victory dance. As ANA Flight 008 came in for a landing, Magdalene picked up tension among the crew. The flight attendants looked concerned, talked in low voices with one another. The captain made more announcements than usual about inconvenience and representatives meeting everyone at the gates, as well as the always alarming, please remain calm. The man in the adjacent seat fidgeted, sweating. He looked over at her as if seeking comfort, then flushed in embarrassment again, but he didn't turn away. 
You think something's wrong? You mean with the world in general, she thought, or the plane, or with me? I can sure as hell tell you the answer to the last one. But Magdalene just shook her head and leaned back. What a colossal irony if the plane were to crash on her way home when she only had months, weeks, even days left. Almost as ironic that one of the greatest breast cancer advocates was struck down by a brain tumour. The 777 landed safely, and the worry seemed to be about something entirely different. The passengers picked up on the uneasiness, and they were disturbed, some curious, some afraid, and the flight attendants didn't look any better. The passengers rummaged through overhead bins, grabbed their carry-ons, crowded the aisles in a rush to disembark. Magdalene's clueless companion hurried to join the flow, but since she was in a window seat, she was in no hurry. All of her meds had kicked in now, many of the drugs clashing with each other. Her body was like a pharmaceutical puppet, her mind a marionette controlled by the insidious tumour. The crew knew about her medical condition. She had filed papers, included her medical records. She was too touch-and-go travelling alone, and airlines didn't like the PR debacle of someone dying on their plane. The flight attendants had discreetly watched over her, and they were supposed to see that she exited the plane safely. Once she got into the terminal and met Candice and her granddaughter, then she wouldn't be ANA's responsibility anymore. As the cabin emptied, she waited for someone to come and escort her. But as the flight attendants did their best to herd everyone into the terminal, Magdalene realised they must have forgotten about her special needs. The worried-looking crew wanted to get off the plane as quickly as possible. When she decided she was on her own, Magdalene got up to make her own way. She'd survived the horrific chemo and radiation in Tokyo, endured the long overseas flight, the odd turbulence. She could certainly make it just a few more minutes off the plane, into the terminal, through customs and immigration, and to Candice and Aspen just outside of security. She imagined how the girl would jump up and down, calling out, Grandma! Grandma! She took her purse, which contained her meds and the few things she clung to, mostly digital photographs, reminder notes she made to herself, and a painstaking letter she had written to her daughter in her last days in the Tokyo hospital. Magdalene wanted to say so many things, to say goodbye, to leave a legacy for her granddaughter, But the words just wouldn't come. Simple communication eluded her, brought her to tears as she struggled with the slippery but simple concepts. After she exhausted herself, poured out everything she could think of, Magdalene saw she had written only two paragraphs. And then she cried even more. She stood and gripped the seat back, wavering, feeling her legs turn to shaky jelly. Her balance looped around like a drunken bumblebee. The aisles were starting to clear and Magdalene tottered out. One step, another step, moving forward, passing one row of seats, then another, then the next section. Reaching business class was one little victory and the door and the jetway was another. The flight attendant at the door seemed pale, parroting her usual, Thank you, have a nice day but her voice wavered. Magdalene might have been curious about what was wrong, 
but her brain was so full of the glioma that she had no room for questions. She could only concentrate on moving, her vision focused down to a tunnel as she gripped the railing, trudged up the jetway. The pain in her head was like an enthusiastic street drummer banging away on overturned plastic tubs. The tumour seemed to be taking a victory lap. Magdalene refused to let it win, just a little farther. When she emerged into the terminal, she saw a milling crowd, the passengers from Flight 008 being corralled, held back. She saw security troops, but their uniforms looked odd, of a more futuristic design. The decor in the San Francisco airport looked different. Ad displays on the walls were interactive, intrusive holograms that stepped in front of potential customers rather than a more easily ignored poster. She kept walking among her fellow passengers because she didn't dare stop moving her legs, although the black static around her vision swirled and darkened while the pounding in her head grew to a deafening roar. Over a loudspeaker, an androgynous voice said, his words faded in and out, like an AM radio station in a car driving through the desert. Magdalene had done that once when she was in her early 20s, a free spirit exploring the country on her own. The voice continued. Everyone seems to be fine. No ill effects. The next words made even less sense, and she blamed it on the brain tumour. Her brain fired one last series of explosive pains, like the grand finale of the fireworks from last 4th of July, when she, Candice and Aspen had sat on a blanket on the grass in a county park watching the show. Magdalene had known of her terminal cancer then, had been convinced that would be her last Independence Day celebration, her last... 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura, a sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City, starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits. Her body finally surrendered. She collapsed, 
sprawling forward, the world spinning, contracting down to a pinpoint that was a whirlpool of colours, memories and unexpressed thoughts. People shouted, some backing away from her, others pressing closer. Within a moment, medical teams closed in. Uniformed med techs bending over her with scanning apparatus, strange interactive devices. Touch pads were applied to her neck, her cheek. How did they get there so fast? Were the med teams already at the gate? Must be an after-effect of the time ripple, said a woman doctor, studying her screen. Better quarantine all passengers. Quick, run a scan. We need to get her into the medical suite just at the end of the terminal, said the young med tech beside her. But we have to start from baselines. We don't know what the effects of the distortion could be. Uh, baseline? Magdalene croaked, amazed that she had found the word. It's not any effects of whatever. It's brain cancer. My records are aboard the plane. Somehow she made herself keep speaking, though she had to force each word out of her mouth. This was important. Glioma. Terminal. Nothing you can do. Startled, the medical techs looked quickly at one another. Magdalene could barely keep her eyes open, but the darkness behind her closed eyelids was even more frightening. She felt fumbling hands on her. Someone withdrew the boarding pass, sticking out of her purse, found her seat number, identified her name. It's Magdalene Cross. Remember she was on the passenger manifest, said the woman doctor. It is brain cancer, terminal glioma. Magdalene couldn't quite pass the woman's words, couldn't understand her expression. The doctor seemed delighted, and the young tech beside her started laughing. Brain cancer? You mean it's only brain cancer? He seemed relieved. Someone else said, No reason to believe her collapse was caused by the time distortion. Brain cancer, Magdalene said. They didn't seem to understand. Terminal. We know, we know, said the female doctor. Don't worry about it. The airport's medical suite has all of the necessary microsurgical apparatus and the avatar hookup. For you, we'll get one of the very best neurospecialists. I think he's in Bangkok right now, but he can hook up via avatar and perform the surgery. You'll be just fine, Dr. Cross. Nothing to worry about. As she finally blacked out, probably for the last time, Magdalene thought the words were the cruelest hallucination of all. When she awoke, her thoughts were clear. Her head throbbed, but not in pain. Rather, it seemed more a fuzziness, a confusion, not the same sludge of drug sensations from her anti-seizure meds, her anti-nausea meds, her painkillers. She focused on her surroundings. A small room with lush, pristine forest and blue skies projected on the walls and ceiling. Monitoring devices were connected to her, but without wires or cables. She felt something attached to her head. This was nothing like the horror of tubes, electrodes, beeping pumps and monitors during the treatment in Tokyo. The young woman sitting at her bedside was beautiful, around 25, her expression filled with warmth and genuine concern, not the typical bedside manner with which Magdalene had become so familiar. In a voice filled with wonder, surprised that the words came easily, smoothly, she said, I'm alive, that's one thing at least. The young woman chuckled. 
You'll be alive for a long while, Grandma. The brain cancer is gone, and you just need time to recover and to adjust. I suppose we all need time to adjust. She reached forward to squeeze Magdalene's shoulder. I still can't believe it. You called me Grandma. What on earth? I know you don't recognize me. I'm Aspen. She seemed to be holding a delicious, exciting secret. The last time you saw me was when we watched the fireworks. You must remember it. When Magdalene didn't immediately answer, the young woman's eyes narrowed with concern. The neurosurgeon said some memories might be gone because the glioma was extremely large and pervasive. Please tell me you remember the fireworks in the park? Of course I remember. That was with my daughter and granddaughter just last year, 4th of July. It's 2040, Grandma. Your plane skipped forward 20 years in time. ANA Flight 008 vanished in June 2020, and we all thought it had gone down in the Pacific. It's been two decades. Aspen shook her head. Mom and I were sure we'd never see you again. Magdalene still couldn't understand, trying to decide which was more fantastic, that she had somehow time-jumped into the future, or that her brain cancer had been cured. Where am I? Where's Candice? She's in Antarctica, but she's on her way. Within the hour, she'll take a SpaceX suborbital flight to San Francisco. But I'm here now. Where? Magdalene asked. Still in the terminal facility. They were able to perform the surgery right here. It's a small medical suite, but they can take care of emergencies. The robotic surgical arms were guided by Avatar. And because of who you are, who you were 20 years ago, all the cancer researchers remember you. You're revered. The world's foremost microglial surgeon used the Avatar linkage, and he performed the surgery from his clinic in Bangkok. He neutralized the tumor, killed and extracted the key mass bit by bit through the microtube. Delicate, but efficient. Then he repaired as much of the tissue as he could. You're fine, Grandma. You can go home with us by the end of the day. Mother's suborbital will be here by then. Magdalene had to close her eyes. This was a complex jigsaw puzzle of unbelievable facts and preposterous claims that she simply could not assemble, no matter how she looked at the pieces, turned them, rearranged them. She let out a sigh and concentrated on something more comprehensible. You're so beautiful. She slipped her fingers into her grown granddaughter's hand. She clasped tight, and the pieces fit, slipping perfectly into place. You have listened. You have heard. Soon you will have enough knowledge to assemble the puzzle. That was Terminal by Kevin J. Anderson. Performed by Rosalind Ayres. This episode was directed and produced by Mark Holden. Edited by Seth Olansky. And designed by Charles Carroll at the Invisible Studios. Season 2 of Dust is brought to you in partnership with XPRIZE. Designing and operating multi-million dollar global competitions to accelerate the development of technological breakthroughs that benefit humanity. And ANA, all Nippon Airways. 
Flight 008 is co-produced with Eric Desatnik. Dust is produced by Stephen Michael and Margaret Laney at Gunpowder and Sky. In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope, Pura a sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City. Starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado, and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 